Thank you for joining us on the Underdog Podcast, the place where we believe at one point in your life, you were an underdog and overcame adversity. And for that reason, we want to hear your story. I am your boy, Calvin Blackman. And I am Kyle Decker. This episode is powered by the Riley Decker Companies. The right decision. For more information, go to RileyDecker.com. Today, our guest, Joe Coniglio, is one of the rising leaders in collegiate coaching, helping lead Kent State Golden Flashes football team to the first ever, yes, I said that black, win in school history this past season. Breaking barriers and overcoming adversity is nothing new to Joe, for he was the first one in his family to ever graduate from college. Joe is a proud father of three kids and husband to his wife, Jessa, and Joe had to create and earn his own path in the game of football to put food on his family's table. Joe will provide us with many knowledge nuggets that can be transferable to both life and business with such philosophies as process over results, keep your knees bent, value over feelings, and having a defining vision and culture so with that said, welcome to the UDP, Mr. Coniglio. Thanks for having me. No pressure with that intro, huh? <laughs> uh, fire. Told you I was going to bring some fire. So let's start off with the most recent history-breaking season at, at Kent State. As I said, Joe you know, went there after a 2-10 and 10 season two years ago. Last year, they were 7-6 and six with the first winning season, uh, or bowl game, excuse me, in school history. On top of that, your defense in the bowl game beat the hair apparent to Aaron Rodgers and no other than quarterback Austin Love, who's the first-round draft pick of the Green Bay Packers from Utah State. Uh, take us back how process over results mindset led to your team last year, Kent State, achieving that result. Oh, man. Uh, I would say that the, the real turning point was when we were playing Buffalo. So we're 3-6, and six and all we talked about uh, as we were kind of hammering at home during the season was, you know, continue to chop wood, continue to go through the process of really bringing it every day to practice, continuing to compete, um, continuing to get better on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and it's Buffalo. We're down by three scores, and there's eight minutes left in the game. And uh, we find a way. We come back. Um, we get an onside kick. We get a stop on defense. Um, a bunch of things really went our way, and we kicked a field goal as time expired. It was the biggest comeback in, I don't know, maybe the last 10 years in college football, eight minutes left, down 21 points. Well, anyway, so that was kind of the catapult to the believability of what we were all about. So we talked about how as we move forward, like it was processed, like, and after that game, I still remember Coach Lewis saying, if you, if you didn't believe, like, you better believe now. Because the reality of it was, like, everybody stuck together. We did it as a team. As we continue to move forward, um, we found a way to beat Ball State. We found a way to beat Eastern Michigan. And then we played in the bowl game. And again, like there's an interception and I wish I had a, vi a video of it. Um, there's an interception we have that's early in the game um, from Jordan Love. He throws a pit. He throws it to, uh, I think, the tailback out of, out of the backfield. And we hit him. The ball flies up in the air. We pick it off. And like the whole team is just going crazy, like just having the time of their life. And it just truly showed the brotherhood and the family of kind of what the process brought us and embracing that process to get the results that we wanted, which was a win in the bowl game. Yeah. I think so. <clears throat> I think that that speaks volumes to what you said, as far as going back to, you know, process and then, and then the results. Um, can you talk a little bit about 
a little bit more maybe in depth about that brotherhood uh, and what that means? Because I know you talked, you know, kind of in our pre-call yesterday, you touched on a lot, of, I think, key points that, you know, the average listener who may not truly understand the game of football, but some of the principles that you guys have really been able to instill early on in these two years around building that brotherhood and how you've been able to see it come to fruition through that game and uh, obviously hopefully going into the upcoming season. Yeah, you know, it all starts with our head coach uh, who brings a, a clear and defined vision. Uh, that clear and defined vision is really based off of two different things. The, the first thing is uh, flash fast. So uh, we go extremely fast on offense. Flash is our, uh, our school mascot. Um, but flash fast, fast stands for fun, accountable, smart, and tough. So when we talk about fun, like after practice one day, uh, it's a cold day, but we're going to do an egg toss. So again, just like kind of loosening guys up so that they can feel like there is some type of camaraderie um, and they know that um, they're going to have fun together. Um, as far as like accountability, you know, I think uh, as we look at it, and, and I know um, our staff believes this as well, is that we need a player-led team, you know, and I think, you know, as a, as a football coach, the critical thing to me is showing up and really being the standard, like in every, and it's the same thing we talked about before, but being the standard to me is going to be a, a guy that shows up and he works for his players. So it's our players' job to invest in themselves. It's our job um, to take our players where they don't know how, don't know how to get to where they're going. Um, so I think as we invest in each other, um, I think that creates the brotherhood um, and really just kind of reverting back to um, those guys spending a lot of time together and, and moving through that. Now, the other part is, you know, just talking about that, that fast mantra, um, smart. So we want guys that are, have high common sense that are going to take care of each other on and off the field. Um, and, you know, obviously we want guys to be book smart, but also common sense smart. And then just toughness is something that uh, shows up on a consistent basis in football. And we want guys that are going to be willing to kind of fight and push through that grind um, and show toughness on a, on a consistent basis. And then when we talk about like the BD alpha traits, you know, really what it means to be the alpha um, is to invest in yourself and get better on a daily basis and show up when the team needs you most. So if that's a fourth quarter field goal, if that's a tackle in space uh, to get a third down stop, whatever it may be, we need guys to show up and be the alpha when the team needs it most. So I have a question. If I'm a kid on a team or if I'm an employee in a business and I may not be buying completely into what the company culture is or the brotherhood or sisterhood or whatever you're trying to build. How would you say, what would be your recommendation to that person to maybe how would they, cause you talk about investing in yourself. What would be your recommendation to that person to investing in themselves and, and potentially buying into ultimately what you're trying to build? So I think all of this is, is, as you talk kind of reverts me back to like what my coaching philosophy is. And when I think about my coaching philosophy, like the first thing that I think about is like, be the standard. So if I'm going to be the, be the standard and like, I'm a guy who's going to invest in myself, like I want to make sure my players know that I'm working for them. So if I'm a, if I'm in a company and I work at a company, like I want to make sure that my boss knows I'm working for him. Like I'm doing everything I can to invest in myself and make myself better. Okay. And then the second part is, is just being able to develop myself socially, academically, and athletically from a coaching standpoint. Now, obviously, that's going to be a little bit different in a business, um, 
in, in business. But I think, you know, the one thing that we got to make sure of is if I'm going to invest in myself, I'm going to do everything I can um, to really create that standard. And then on top of it, I always talk about this. It's called extreme ownership. So extreme ownership is never placing blame on someone else. It's always placing the blame on yourself because when you blame others, you are essentially um, giving them power. And why are we going to give other people power when if we had anything we could, if if there's anything that we could do to change an outcome of a situation, then I'm going to find a way to be better in that situation so that I may have had a more of an impact on that situation. So extreme ownership, be the standard, invest in yourself and continue um, making sure that the people that you work for know you're working for them. Absolutely. And I think one thing that Joe, uh, I've quoted here saying change is always possible. It's really optimistic for me. Um, you know, cause at times I think we're all seeing like, oh man, will that change to so go off of your question? What, and I think what Joe is saying is, and what you were quoted as saying, change is always possible for the right people. And I think I got this right. The right people in creating, you know, strong relationships. Can you kind of touch upon, you know, um, the relationship? I know you talk a lot about experiences in relationships. Can you kind of touch upon that uh, belief you have? Yeah. So when, you know, it was awesome when I sat down with you at the combine, just kind of talking about, you know, everything in life, um, nothing in things in life are only as real as you make them. So for example, I think the example I gave you is like, okay, I wear a wedding ring. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm a great husband. That means that the relationship I have with my wife is whatever I make of it. So if I have an unbelievable relationship with my wife, like that's all that matters. The wedding ring, that just is, that just symbolizes that I'm married. There's a lot of people who wear a wedding ring who don't have a great marriage, who may not be faithful to their wife. So at the same time, making sure that like everything that I do, like a relationship that I have, like cultivating a relationship with Kyle Decker and meeting him at the combine, like that's important to me. So I'm going to do everything I can to continue to cultivate that relationship. Now, the other piece of that, like, experiences. Life's about experiences and relationships. So I talked about the relationship piece, like investing in relationships, showing people that you care about, um, that you want to spend time with them. The other piece of it is, is just as far as the relation or or the experiences that I have, like making the most of the experience that you have. So, um, you know, it's really easy to not be where your two feet are. And what I mean by that is like, um, for example, like if you wanted to be or if I wanted to be the head coach uh, at a power five school, just always thinking about that dream instead of embracing the experience that I'm currently having, because this is the best time of my life. And I think that's how you, as you move forward um, in your career and you continue to kind of stay, make sure your feet are under you and you're enjoying exactly where you're at and not looking forward. I think that's how you invest in um, not, not only your career, but also in people and in the place that you're at and make sure that you're working um, to continue to develop yourself in your career. And when you're, when, when someone looks at your body of work, Joe, I think that epitomizes like his career so far. So if you look at, you know, him starting as a graduate assistant at Kent state, going to Northern Michigan and then on to Rhode Island, then back to Kent state and always growing. I think you were super always invested every time I've, I've spoke with you. And I think that's a great trait for anybody to say, you'll make sure your two feet are, supplanted and that your focus on even things that we we had in college ourselves what's important now the win technique of hey i'm gonna be here on the you know tomorrow's not granted we're gonna win today now you have future goals and aspirations but 
if you don't win the day, if you don't have your two feet where you are standing, as you said, I think that's so that's such a great uh, mentality and mindset in to live by. Process over results, right? I mean, sure. Like the, the bottom line is, is investing in the process now so that you can have results, whether that be a short term goal, a long term goal, a career goal, whatever it may be, process over results. The one, uh, this is, this is, I learned this last night. I'm going to read this book. Read <laughs> Say it. Say this now. Say it. Part, part of my, uh, my verbiage here. <laughs> Fuck Your Feelings by Ryan Muncy. And, and I think, uh, I can't wait to read it, first of all, but uh, you know what what that means by saying fuck your feelings is what we feel, not what you value. Be remembered by what you value. And, you know, you're gonna be remembered by that, I guess. So can you touch upon how that book and you know the the feelings versus uh, what you know, not what you value, um, and that whole mindset and, and how that's really helped you develop your leadership? Well, I'll tell you this. It's kind of funny. When I was interviewing at Kent State for the position I currently hold, um, it was one of the things that I wanted to make sure that I touched on when I was there because um, a critical thing to me um, when I read this book, and it was extremely eye-opening to, to kind of where I'm at as a, as a person and, and where I think we all want to go just as far as like, who, we, how do we want to be remembered, right? So, okay, so 95% of the decisions we make are going to be based off of how we feel not what we value. So, okay, let's just pull a perfect example. All right. I feel like eating that double cheeseburger from McDonald's, but I value being in good shape. Okay. Or I value um, being at a a weight that um, I feel like I'm healthy at. All right. So the reality of it is like, am I going to do what I feel or am I going to do what I value? 95% of the decisions we make are going to be based off how we feel. Now, if you lean on your values over your feelings, that's when your life will change. So for example, okay, before this podcast started, just talking to you, like, hey, you know, we wake up at 545 every morning and go get a workout in. Like, do you feel like doing that? No, you don't feel like doing that. But you value being in shape, you value your body, you value taking care of yourself. So based off of those values, you're going to have the opportunity to live a healthier life as long as you keep those values consistent, because it's not, it's a fluid deal. Like, okay. So for example, I may lean on my values this morning, but I don't really feel like waking up tomorrow. Like, can I do it on a consistent basis over time? And that's what everything is based off of, right? Like, can I consistently do something over time? And that's how I'm going to achieve the results that I desire. So I want to go back. Um, I think this is a good time to maybe go back a little bit about your career. I know Kyle just touched on it. Um, traditionally people come out of college and we go look for a job, you know, in the traditional pattern of going, like you turned down a job at, uh, at TQL. I don't know you were doing, you know, serving tables and different things. Um, and that's just a traditional mindset, but you decided to bet on yourself, um, and take a position as a grad assistant, um, at a college, which most people don't know, but you make zero money pretty much you know every you're getting meals and you you're getting some clothes because the team issued gear but can you talk about you know why you decided to pursue that journey um and and not go the traditional route and ultimately again as we hear a lot of times having that spouse or someone who's supportive come along with you and take this unknown journey um to who knows where it's going to lead? And obviously it's led to you at Kent State and you're working your way up the ranks. But talk a little bit about, uh, you know, why you decided to take that journey and what it's done for you. 
Oh, well, it, it, you know, as, as soon as football ended, when I was a senior at Miami, I was kind of like, well, what do you do now? You know, I had an opportunity to go take a job at TQL, as you mentioned. Um, and like, I think it was the day I was supposed to start. I had talked to, I was just, I was dating Jesse, my wife, who's my wife now. I'm like, I don't think this is what's right. So it ended up being the day of, I'm like, I, I don't, I'm not going to go do this. Well, anyways, I had some friends in coaching that I, that I coached with at Miami that was actually at Kent State named Craig Ackerman. And uh, he called me. He's like, hey, man, you want to come up here? And I was like, well, when? He's like, uh, you know, I don't know. It may be July. It was like, you know, the end of the it was the end of the season and really in like January then. So it was still going to be a six or seven month wait. So um, I ended up instead of going to take the TQL job, I came back to school, ended up working as uh, I came back to school. I graduated in the spring, ended up working at um, uh, waiting tables, essentially, and as a personal trainer. And I just always knew there was more to life. And, and I talked to you guys about it a little bit yesterday, but um, wh what is your passion and purpose? You know, so when we talk about like what people, so just kind of going back to those fast qualities, like we talk about fun, like not just like fun, like, oh, I like to play Call of Duty. Like, no, what's your passion and purpose in life? Like what, like outside of football, like what's your passion and purpose? Well, to me, in this particular instance, like I knew my passion and purpose was more than obviously waiting tables and being a personal trainer, my passion and purpose was in the game of football, because as soon as I lost it, I was like, well, what do I do now? Um, so having that opportunity, I actually went to Kent State as a volunteer. Actually, I didn't, I did not get paid for, uh, for six months. Um, and then I became the video coordinator before I was actually promoted to being the graduate assistant under Daryl Hazel when he came. Um, so it is, it's, it's a process. Um, but at the same time, I think you got to lean on what you're passionate about and, and, you know, our head coach at Kent State always talks about, like, what's your passion and purpose? And you need to make sure that you invest in that every single day. And that kind of comes full circle looking back at, you know, graduate or just deciding not to go to TQL, taking another semester in school, trying to make some money, and then kind of really pursuing and betting on myself and the coaching profession. Yeah, and I think we talk about the E plus R equals O. And I think you had such a, a desired outcome that your continued response. And I didn't even know that. And we're pretty close, like to, to know that you were a volunteer and then the video, then the GA in, in, in those, I mean, that's that in itself, like you said, you're, you're an underdog. You just kept overcoming odds to, to get to that next level. So, uh, commend you for that, that continued drive. And I think, does that, you know, one thing I want to touch upon, not, not too much on the childhood, but you know, I know your grandpa is a big piece of your life. You know, he's 96. God bless him. Hopefully I make that, that to that age. You um, I probably won't. Not the way <laughs> I'm living. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, your mom and dad, you know, not getting through school or did, didn't get through college because you were the first grad, but they were hardworking, great parents, you know, setting that foundation. Do you attribute, you know, a lot of your uh, childhood and the mentorship of your parents and your grandpa as creating this work ethic and drive for you? Yeah, I think you always lean back on that, right? I mean, mm -hmm. as I look back on my childhood, um, some critical pieces were, you know, how hard my dad worked. I just remember him always being at work. And then my mom, like wherever I needed to go, she was taking me there, whether it be an all-star baseball practice or a football practice, or if I was going to go, you know, if I was playing hoops in eighth grade or whatever it was, like, I remember like our travel baseball team, you guys know what the travel baseball teams are like, like you're somewhere every single weekend. Um so just continuing 
just I think the persistence that my parents showed in their drive to let me do whatever made me happy and whatever let whatever I was passionate about continued to drive me. And I felt like that rubbed off on me as I continued to move forward because um, I do feel like you know a lot for me has changed really from high school to like where I am now. Obviously, we change a lot, but just as far as my like outlook on life. Um, and obviously I have kids now and all that stuff. I'm just saying like overall, um, big picture, broad stroke, um, how to get to where you need to go. Obviously I've been around some good people, um, that I feel really confident in and the things that they've taught me, but, uh, my parents were very influential and in kind of creating this trajectory, um, that I continue to, to work through and, and, and work through the process and do everything I can to, to make them proud. No, absolutely. I think you are doing just that. Moving on to another coaching philosophy, keeping your knees bent. I found this really interesting. And this is someone, once again, another uh, philosophy that can be attributed to different industries. The so what, now what, you know, how are you going to respond to adversity, keeping your knees bent? Can you touch upon that, that mindset? Yeah, just a really cool thing that I got from our head coach. Um, you know, whenever you deal with adversity, um, E plus R equals O, event plus response equals outcome all those different things, keep your knees bent. Um, to me, they, they all say similar things. How are you going to respond when something that is adverse happens to you? So what's your response is always going to equal um, how you're going to react to it. So like, keep your knees bent. Okay. If I'm keeping my knees bent, that means like, okay, we change practice from 7am to 7pm. Okay. Now I got to switch my, my day around. Well, how am I going to deal with that? So what now what? Okay. That's what we had to do. Now we got to find a way to make that happen. So as we think about like, so what, now what, um, you know, it, it can deal with any situation in business uh, or in the real world that you have. I mean, just, you know, if you're feeling sorry for yourself or if you have an issue at work, so what, now what, how are you going to react to it? And um, that's something that we uh, instill in our players, um, the keep your knees mindset or keep your knees bent mindset, which is. Um, extremely critical to our culture and guys just being being fluid flowing and making sure that they can adapt to anything that changes um, because as we know things change uh, on a pretty consistent basis yeah and we see that in the business world all the time I mean mm -hmm. our one of our biggest struggles is is in our company and, and even externally is people want everything to go in in a, in a square box right yeah. everyone get inside the box well that's just not reality you got to have that flexibility, adaptability, you got to be able to, to move on the dime and be flexible. So I loved, I'm, I'm going to take this, you know, the key that keep your knees bent. And if you think of just from an athletic standpoint, whether you're basketball and your, you know, defensive stance or in baseball, you got to have, you know, your knees bent at the plate or whatever. That's just an athletic stance ready to move and adapt. So I loved that. And then, um, I know you want to touch upon something, Cal. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you guys have done a great job recruiting, uh, right now. Um, and I know I got to be careful with the NCAA, so we've, you know, <laughs> I'll phrase this how I can. But having had my experience, you know, uh, coaching at the D two level and then transitioning into the business world, a lot of times I run into parents and even coworkers who have teenagers. Uh, you know, I'm say you have a 45 year old mom or father, a mother, or a mother or father um, who has a 17 or 18 year old looking um, to go play at the next level. Uh, what would you say to them or why would that parent want for their child to come play for you at Kent State? Uh, well, there's uh, the real, the, the critical reasons are this, okay. We're going to invest in their son and, and the way that we show 
players that we, uh, the way that we recruit players is the way that they're going to be treated when they show up on campus. That's something that we truly believe. Uh, we feel like we differentiate ourselves um, from a staff standpoint um, because of our energy um, and because of the relationships that we create. Um, and then just overall, um, the investment that we're going to have uh, in the young man that we're recruiting, whether that be, you know, we're going to we're going to find all the touch points that we need um, just in regards to, you know, we got to make sure that we get mom on the phone or we got to make sure we show them a campus tour. And we're going to find creative ways to do whatever we can to make sure that the student athlete that we're recruiting is as comfortable um, with the choice of coming to Kent State as possible, but also that he's comfortable and relatable to our football staff, which is extremely young and a bunch of guys who are going to work um, and are going to build relationships with their players. Um, so again, how we recruit our players is going to be the same way that they're treated when they show up. So there's no lull. Um, it's going to be a consistent communication. We're going to make sure we take care of uh, the guys that we're recruiting um, the right way, just like we will when they show up on campus. And there's one thing I, I learned, and this, like, you always hear a lot of these different things that the principles and the values you're going to instill in these kids. And one thing I was that I remember we used to always tell recruits was when you graduate from here, how are you going to face that adversity when you get out in the real world? And one of the examples I always got was um, when you have kids and it's, you know, midnight and your kid's out of milk. You know, how are you going to respond? Are you going to get up and run to the stores? Are you going to be something that you're going to push off? But And it's, it's something that minor has stuck with me for over 10 years because now having kids and been in that situation, it's like my wife said, we need milk. I'm like, well, damn, like this is real. This is truly reality right now. And a lot of those core values and principles that I, I was able to take from my time being involved in the sport, you know, have really translated and transitioned over into the real world. So you don't go get me milk. What's up with that? <laughs> I don't even know what to say there. <laughs> but I think something, I think those that aren't familiar with the Kent State football program, once again, their success is, is there. And, and I think they're going to sustain it. Mm -hmm. they, coach Sean Lewis is the youngest FBS Division One football coach out there, and all the coaches are 40 and under. So I think the energy you see with the flash fast, be the alpha, all these different things are mounting into it didn't surprise me as you learn, you know, two and 10 to seven and six and to see what the future holds and why they're recruiting well. And they're having, you know, continue to, to recruit extremely good, passionate young men to join the program and then come under tutelage of coaches like coach Joe Canigolo is, is, is apparent. So I think defining the vision that that was one of the things, uh, philosophies that one of the last ones I wanted to talk, you know, defining that vision for your program, or even as you, as a coach, can you touch upon, how important is having a definitive vision of, of, of what that person or that business, you know, needs to have? Oh, I think it's everything. And I think it's something that, for example, if you're a coach, you need to be able to define your philosophy. If you're a player, you need to be able to define how you tackle. You need to be able to define um, what the values are of your football program. Um, everything, in my opinion, um, in the opinion of, of a lot of the coaches I talk to, needs to be defined where not only the coaches uh, can spit it back, but the players can spit it back. Because when they can spit it back, they know it. Um, and just in regards to like talking about coaching philosophy, and I've touched on some of it, but like when I think about like what my coaching philosophy is, um, you know, it's really five pronged. Okay. For what the first thing I want to do is I want to be the standard. Okay. And I want to make sure that I'm, my players know that I'm working for them. 
they're investing in themselves. I want to, I want my players to know that I coach that I'm working for them. Okay. I want to make sure that they know this is a developmental program. Okay. Number two, I'm going to develop them socially, athletically, and academically. Okay. And I'm going to make sure that I create relationships with them because I want to, not because I have to. And because, uh, and so that we can uh, develop men of character. Okay. I want to make sure the outside linebackers, there's a pride uh, in the position that I coach. Like you're going to be a prideful outside linebacker. That's going to be something that you're proud of. Um, and you're going to be proud of our group. Um, the fourth thing is going to be making sure that we're cultivating an energy every single day. And that goes back to the values over feelings. Like if you bring the right mental attitude and the right um, outlook and you have a value that you want to be a great football player, well, then you better show up and practice like you want to be a great football player every single day. Um, and then the fifth thing is going to be have an extreme ownership. Don't place blame on anyone else. Make sure that you have extreme ownership and what you do, because that's the same way that, again, I want to be the standard with our group as the coach. Okay. I'm going to take extreme ownership when I do something that I think I could have been better at. So if we all take that stance, we're all going to be a lot better in the long run. If we point the thumb, not the finger and make sure that we're taking care of each other in that way, um, where there's not anyone to blame other than ourselves. How could we have um, changed an outcome with the decisions that we made? Let's go. Are you ready to roll? Let's go. <laughs> I'm ready to go play. All right. Well, hey, wouldn't get very far. Let's, let's let's put Joe on the hot seat. How about that, Black? You ready to roll? Yeah, make it happen. All right. I think you got the first one here. We do a little rapid fire here at the end. Put you on a little hot seat. Actually, I think we went kind of soft. We might have to, we might have to do some uh, top of the head questions here. So This one's kind of deep. I mean, this is pretty good. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Uh, who would you say are some of the coaches or leaders who've had the biggest impact on your coaching style or just personal development? Um, Sean Lewis, um, John Haycock, uh, defensive coordinator at Iowa State. Um, just being around him and being a graduate assistant for him. Uh, Sean McVay, uh, Chris Shula. Um, Trying to think. Craig Aukerman. Uh, I've been around a, a, a lot of guys, and I know I'm leaving some off the list, but uh, some really special coaches out there that have really helped develop me and helped me see things a little bit differently so I continue to kind of have a growth mindset. And what characteristics would you say they all portray that have helped them sustain that excellence? Um, the first thing I would say is they have a presence about them. Um, so when they talk, they have a, a – they have a respectability. Um, they have a confidence, um, when they talk to people, uh, there's a believability. I think that's a critical piece as a coach. When you talk to your players, making sure that there's believability. Um, the other thing is they're extremely diligent, hard workers. Um, so everything they do, they put their heart into it, which is what I tell my players all the time. Like everything you do, you got to put your heart into it. So all these coaches, they put their heart into it. They're extremely, um, embedded in their craft. Um, and they care about their players, you know, and I think that's, um, when it comes down to it, um, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I think there is a lot of validity to that. And, I, and as we move forward, um, like guys that take care of their players that are embedded in their craft, that have believability, that want to continue to have a growth mindset and get better. Um, to me, like if you have those traits, you'll be a pretty dang, dang, pretty dang good coach. No doubt. Um, speaking of two of those guys, I'm actually going to skip to my the fourth question here. Uh, our former teammates and your close friends, and uh, as well as mine, uh, Sean McVay and uh, Chris Shula, they're both with the Rams. 
But here, here's my here's my question, and, and uh, I'm coming out a little bit of left field here. So Joe, those that don't know, uh, was a was one hell of a running back in Rockford, Illinois, bigger than most of his linemen. If you uh, linemen, if uh, if you look at his old tapes, but if 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 Joe in your prime at the running back position gets through the first level defensive line, you're going right at Chris Shula at linebacker. Are you running him over? That's question one. Two, you say McVeigh's at safety. So you run over. Can you run over Shula, and then are you running over McVeigh? I'm stiff arming Shula, and then I'm making McVeigh miss in the open field. All right, little little or no contact. Yeah, and then you're gonna show your speed, shifty Joe. <laughs> I like it. I like it. There you go. Mm-hmm. Nice. Oh, back on me. Yep. So best thing about being the father of three kids is really the question, but. Being in the profession you're in, having to juggle, you know, so many moving parts, especially in the season. And I always say this from August to November, there's no off day in football. Sunday through Sunday, you are in the office and working. How are you able to balance that with your family? And what's the best part of being a father and and making sure you're being there for the kids? Um, It's really hard to balance Um, during the season. It's um, you know, you're investing in your players and you're doing all that stuff. And then the one thing that's really cool about what our head coach does, we have like a Monday night dinner where we bring our families up, which is really cool. Um, we have an opportunity at, at, for the home games, um, to stay at home. Um, so we can spend some time on Fridays. We have a date night on Thursday night. Um, so our head coach does a phenomenal job giving us the opportunity to, to really balance. The best part about having three kids is just the love that you have for them. Um, and being a, and right now it's been awesome because I've had a, a ton of opportunity to spend time with them, cultivate a relationship. But really, to me, parenting is coaching. Like parenting is coaching, and I tell my wife that all the time, and she doesn't like to hear it. But like when you know when our kids are doing something really well, like you know they need a pat on the back when they're um, when you have to you know help them learn. Um, they need to pat on the butt. Them a different way. Like, I mean, that's just kind of the way it works. But the reality of it is, is like parenting is coaching um, and just the love that the kids display and just having the opportunity to um, to be a father, uh, be around them a lot right now and, and, and just, uh, you know, continue to develop relations, relationships with them and be somebody that they always look to, whether it be to wrestle or, you know, a shoulder to cry on. I think that's, you know, the most special part because you're their world. Absolutely. And uh, one of my last questions is most people go to Upper Peninsula in the summer to vacation or out to beautiful Rhode Island, two of your stops on your coaching career. If you were advising the listeners from a vacation standpoint, you had one choice. Are you going to the UP in the summer or are you going out to, to Rhode Island out there? What, what, what would your advisement be? Uh, nothing against the UP, but it's not even close. I'd go to Narragansett Beach, uh, Narragansett Town Beach in Rhode Island. You could go to Newport. I mean, there's just a lot of options out there. But I would definitely venture out to Rhode Island before I venture back to the UP. Absolutely. And I uh, had the ability to go visit Joe out in Rhode Island, and it is beautiful. I mean, oh. Rainy Rhode Island, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I was out there actually twice. Yeah, and one once in the summer and during your uh, two-day practices, or I don't even know if it's two days anymore. can't remember. But uh, the Roadie Rams, and uh, love to see, um, you know, that was a cool experience going back to see an old teammate that was now coaching and seeing how he coached at that time, I think, the defensive line. 
And uh, I remember me and my pops walking out there and, and uh, checking out practice and just really, really excited, man, for your career. As we close up, is there any parting words that you could, you know, leave anyone listening that you can, you, you want to tell them? Um, the one thing I would say, um, go after what you're passionate about, um, invest in what you want to do and anything you do, put your heart and soul into it. Like leave nothing to chance. Um, work works, but work, but work has no guarantees. Um, so stay the course, continue to embrace the process and and the results will come. So, um, you know, anybody that's listening, I just wish them luck on their journey and, um, can, you know, continue to continuing to chop wood, um, and go after what their dreams are. Great. And now how can, how can, uh, anyone that's listening follow and engage with you and, and Kent state football? Uh, well, they can hit me up on Twitter. Um, coach Caniglio 51. They can, uh, uh, they can follow Kent state football, Twitter, all that stuff. We're extremely active on there. Um, we have, if you're into coaching conferences, we have a conference every Sunday, um, which is essentially like a clinic. We got, uh, Gary Pinkle talking this Sunday, I believe, and our corners coach, our offensive coordinator. So that's pretty cool, but we're extremely engaging on social media, uh, make sure that we're getting content out so that we can, you know, spread the word about what we're all about. Awesome. No, I, I just love the, uh, the conversation, man. And I, I love the philosophies and the mindset and the principles that you guys bring, uh, from the game that we can hopefully our listeners can take and, and implement in their everyday life because they do work. Um, but it's a matter of just valuing those types of things and not doing what you feel. I think that's a definitely a key takeaway there, you know, follow what you value and, and not what you feel. And I think that it'll be life-changing. So appreciate your time, man. Yeah. And, and just to conclude, I, I think, as I mentioned, I believe, and I know, you know, Joe is a rising coach in, in the college football uh, spectrum. And, and I truly mean that Joe and, you know, appreciate our friendship, but, you know, I'm super excited to see your continue, you know, growth in your profession and, and making an impact on, on young men and, and making them better, uh, you know, outside of football when they get into the the real world and the impact they're making on communities is, is I know under your tutelage, that's going to continue to, and that's what we need in this world. So thank you and, and, and your staff as well. And let me put in my, I'm, I'm just going to let Kyle know, obviously I work with Kyle. Uh, I'm going to put in my five-year notice. Uh, <laughs> so when you, Joe, just remember, you need a wide receiver coach, holler at me. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, we appreciate it, man. All right. Thank you guys. Thanks for listening to the underdog podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google podcast apps and send our Twitter handle a screenshot of your rating at underdog pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free t-shirt. See you next week on the U D P.